He scopes out the present, shakes out the past, and keeps an eye out on the future. This is the Racing with Bruno podcast. Now, from Delray Beach, Florida, here's Bruno DiGiulio. And welcome to the post Fountain of Youth and the Southwest podcast. And let me bring in my good friend Ron Flatter from Las Vegas. Hey, Ronnie, how you doing? Well, I... I did cash on one part of last weekend's races between the Fountain of Youth and the Southwest, and that was the chalky try in the Southwest, but it was cashing it. And I know when we did the Zoom call on Tuesday night for all the toing and froing and the complaining about how chalky the outcome was, hey, cash in a ticket's cash in a ticket. What's the old line? The ultimate value is a winning ticket. Oh, that's true, Ron. You know, I think sometimes... Horse players are really, really hurt themselves by by complaining, by uh, complaining about the prices. You can't control that. You do not have any control that, um, you know. But I really was more interested in how the Fountain of Youth fit in to the history of the race, hmm. and of course the Holy Bull as well. So uh, a lot of the times that gives you an idea of what to expect coming in or going out. And uh, we found out some interesting uh, trends that I, I think people will really be interested to hear. So, Ron, let's start off with you. Um, uh, you've been doing a lot of work. Every time I try to call you, you've been swamped with work. Uh, give us some news and updates. The big story I think we all know from the weekend is uh, especially based on the Kentucky Derby future wager, numbers that have come out now uh, for the upcoming wager that will be available nationwide for the Paramutual, as well as the fixed odds here in Nevada. We now have ourselves a big three with essential quality, greatest honor, and life is good. That doesn't necessarily mean one of them is going to win the Derby, but it pretty well means that as long as they don't take any steps in the wrong direction between now and May 1st, they are the three horses that are likely going to gather the betting money for the Derby. But Bruno, I ask you, and I did receive uh, your tweets this weekend, which were extremely helpful. I hope all of you who follow Bruno on Twitter got the tweets as we were going through the race cards on Saturday. They were, they were terrific. I think that was a, a pleasant surprise to be getting those as we were going forward through the day, particularly with conditions changing in Arkansas and even just trying to find out the nuances in South Florida. But uh, I thought what your observations were, particularly about the Fountain of Youth, were especially trenchant. Yeah, the, the, one, the one thing I wanted to talk about is that there's an unbelievable shift in handicapping. Um, let's find the right word. In handicapping sense. People do not longer handicap. They like. They like a horse, and they create their narrative around that horse. And, and it seems like if you want to like the horse, you'll make any excuse in the book for him. If you don't like the horse, you'll find any excuse in the book. Do not like the horse. And, and that is the problem with social media. It's a problem with handicapping now. People don't use handicapping sense anymore. The handicapping sense is if the Holy Bull and the Fountain of Youth were 
the third and fourth slowest Holy Bowls in the last 10 years. Makes you wonder, uh, Holy Bowl and Family Youth with the, the slowest of, uh, um, in historical sense, you can't, you cannot emotionally dismiss those facts. And watching the greatest honor race, he was going nowhere on the turn, nowhere. And he had to be hit with the whip 11 times by Jose Ortiz to get him going. On the other hand, drain the clock, as we mentioned on Friday night, if I remember my words correctly, I said, he's going to turn for home on the lead. And then if you, you bet him, if we liked him, or we got to pick four going, you got to pray he can get there. Because you know he was going to come up short after seven furlongs. Handicapping sense tells you that the Fountain Youth, as did the Holy Bull, wasn't that good. Now, interestingly enough, if you remember my words about being the time of the fount of the Holy Bull, I thought was incorrect by four fifths to a full second. I thought he ran forty-four and change in that race. Well, he came back to to want to win in one forty-four and slightly a tick over. I don't see it as a regression. I just see it as a horse that is not moving forward. It is not an emotional statement. It is a, an, 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 a statement made by experience of watching horses. It's not because I don't like the horse. I love every horse. Every horse is a special animal. But when it comes down to handicapping, it comes down to playing horses, and it comes down to, to having a handicapping decision, I'm going to base it on my experience of what I see not what I emotionally like. I've had horses that I have not liked, I don't, I've not liked as a, in a handicapping sense, and they win, and I give, I go, you know what? That was an impressive performance. That's how you handicap. You don't handicap with emotion. You don't go, oh, I don't like that horse. Why don't you like that horse? Most people can't tell you. They can't tell you. They just don't like it. Well, the trainer or the jockey beat me out last time out. They come up with these idiotic ways of looking at things that has nothing to do with straight out handicapping. If a horse makes up lanes and, and beats a speed horse who's also finishing down the lane, that's not a race that fell apart. That is a race that you give that closer credit. And understanding how to give those horses credit and understanding how to take away the credit from them in your handicapping and to view that race is what makes you a good handicapper. If you handicapping emotionally, go watch soap operas. Handicapping is not for you. Bottom line. So if you, if you want to, you want to get emotional, go watch soap operas, go watch day, you know, days of our lives. Okay. Cause then you can get emotional and everything and, and you'll be fine. But you can't do that in horse racing. And I see that over and over and over again every day. Second thing, stop looking at social media and making decisions off social media. You can't. Because everybody on social media is either trying to impress you with their tickets, which, by the way, 
when you put tickets on social media, all you are looking for is to be is to be applauded if you win and looking like a champ if you win and 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 you're going to get trolled if you lose or people will feel sorry for you. Those are the only reasons. They're not about making money. So if you want to be patted on the back on how great your ticket was and you put it on social media, go join that guy and watch soap operas. You can't do that. If you want to be a better handicapper, you can't do that. But it's hard to explain that to people. People have a tendency to be emotional. How many of you will say, I don't like that person or I don't like that jockey. I can't play him. How many of you do that? Oh, come on. Oh, come on. Thank you. Thank you, Jeff. You got guts. Paul, you got guts too. And I haven't played Churchill Downs in many years because of their business practices. I was getting ready about to change that practice, but the recent... Send me your address. I'll send you some tissue. Boy, boycott. I boycotted Churchill Downs for years. To my de- and it's probably the best racing in the fall down there, too. I was thinking about getting aboard that, but well, I don't know. You know, I hey, Kevin, you know, I love you, but some just take out, just take out the emotional part. Just take that out. You oh, know, they're killing the game. It, they're, well, they're, they're not the only ones. You're just choosing to pick them. Let me ask you a question, Kevin. Jose Ortiz hit Greatest Honor 11 times. It's a stronic track, right? Correct. Almost as many times as Zerod hit Paco Lopez. <laughs> that's that. This should have been a pay-per-view. And Ron Franklin. Hey, hey Ron, nice left, right. If you hit him in the head, he didn't do any damage. But, Kevin, isn't there another stronic track that's going through an entire – whip rule that they got and they're disqualifying people don't, and don't get me started on strong okay. that's my point that's Stronic. my point but you're going to go play Stronic. you are going to support Stronic, and i i don't have any problem with Stronic. but if people start talking to me about churchill you know and then they want to you know talk to me about gulfstream and how much they like it well they got a whip rule in one and one in the other so which one is it well, I treat I, you know what I do just like with my handicap, and I treat them all deaf. It's on a case by case basis. Well, so I, yep. I don't do business with people that have the, with Churchill Downs. I just don't. Do well, business. you're you're being emotional though. I because of course money- I am. I'm a very I'm, I'm a passionate about this game. Of course, I'm emotional about it. Be you know I'm alive, present here. I see what's going on. I don't like it. Okay, I, and don't get me near those horse killers either. Who are you talking about? Navarro and... Uh, oh, God. Well, where did they race? Never again. Yeah. Kevin, you're on the muscle tonight. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's the thing that you, you've got to... <laughs> we love Kevin. Kevin, we love you, buddy. You feeling better now? Did you get it all out? He's been out in the cold too long today. Yeah, 23 yeah, degrees yeah. today it was. Kevin, 27, you you're right. Did you get it all out? Oh, I got I got plenty. I got plenty more. I got plenty. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, we'll put a can on that plenty right now. We'll leave you we'll give you a time to do it one day. But hey but Bruno. Yes, sir. You just need to do a Zoom meeting just focusing on Kevin. I need to put everybody on I need to put Kevin on a couch. 
Kevin, next week, next Tuesday, I need you to bring a couch, and I need you to lay on that couch. Anybody want to get a couch? Do that. I know Steve. Steve Whitcomb over there is on a couch half the time. You know, he's already taking his therapy. I, I'll move to a different location. Yeah. I always get from here. Right, you're so. going to witness I'm protection like, program. Oh, yeah. Kevin's going in the witness protection program now. <laughs> so, so, but, but the, my point is, if you're handicapping using emotional sense, you're not going to be able to come up with your, your, your best work because you get emotionally and you get, um, you start looking at things in a different way. You've got to use your handicapping sense. So watching that replay and watching that race on the turn, I said, greatest honor is not going anywhere. You got to, you know, I, the figures show it. And I'm not a big believer in like buyer figures, but they're right. They're right. So my point is stop thinking emotionally and look at things from a common sense point of view. In horse racing, there's a lot of things about common sense that isn't very common. So that's the first step. The second step is uh, essential quality. Now you said there's the big three. Essential quality, greatest honor, and life is good. Well, we didn't, we, we hated life is good race last, like, race last time out. Getting out, down the lane, they had to do an equipment change, which is a martingale to keep them from running off. We talked at length about the mayor. We're covering things that actually we, we know. And I, I don't believe that go and go, well, horse wants to go a mile and a quarter. I don't believe he can rate. So the, the, this weekend when we do our Zoom on Friday, I'm going to be really interested in how we're going to view that San Felipe and how it's going to shape up. I'd love to go into the Derby and let them all bet on life is good, guys. Let them all. Bruno. Yes, sir. Have you watched any of uh, Life's Good Life is Good works since his last race? Yes. Do you think he's relaxing more? No. No. Did you want to think about that? He holds his head up high. Like it, I, I, I think that horse has got a little bit of a breathing problem or something that – he doesn't drop his head. Uh, I no, but Bruno. see, Stuart, Stuart, what you do is you watch those videos. I make my own mind up. People listen to all the jargon that goes around that everybody. Oh, he looks so good. Oh, he did. It. You listen to XBTV. Everything they 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 have out there. Oh, they look so good. They look trained so great. They will not say one negative word about anybody. I put them on mute. I don't listen to them. But, but a lot of people, Stuart, a lot of people listen. And it's, you got to either make your own mind and you got to, or you got to listen to somebody that's impartial, that's outside looking in. I don't trust that horse. I don't trust him at all. He could win on the San Felipe. I'm still not going to trust him unless he drops his head and runs a straight course down the stretch. That's what tells me. That's my reality, not what somebody says. And that's what I try to transcribe over my, my own way of seeing things. And, I, and Kevin is a great example. He's my poster boy. You know, he's learned a lot, even though he got a little emotional there. And, you know, you know, but 
But Kevin, you have learned a lot. You learn to step back some and watch things. A lot of people don't watch things. You know what a lot of people do? They watch the stretch run. They watch the last eighth of a mile. I'm really enjoying the game again, like a, another new sense, a, another level of enjoyment of the athletic event and what's going on in the race. It's really and why is that? It's Kevin? not watching races, not watching the splits, and what, what? And why is that, Kevin? Because I'm a silver member and I came here and I learned from uh, Bruno well, not, I'm not looking. For, <laughs> I'm not fishing for a compliment. What I'm saying is, what are you taking out of these zooms? Uh, I'm revamping my whole uh, my the, the methodology that I had used. It's outdated. It hasn't. It's been working less and less effective. I'm not on. I don't understand why. But the bottom line is clear. I've had to make major changes, and I've been working on it for seven or eight months now. And I've really started to buckle down with these. Uh, starting with these wonderful Zoom classes of yours and introducing other things that I haven't introduced before because something's got to change. You know, I can't go on like this. And I've really been at sea in a lot of ways. And this weekend, this past weekend, my printer was down. I couldn't get a color, a toner cartridge. So my printer was down and I had to go paperless. Which oh boy. Was, real, was a real challenge for me because I'm a paper guy and all this stuff. So, and I need to be, if I want to play in these tournaments and stuff, I've got to be able to look at an awful lot of races. And I can't do it with the system that I used in the 90s when you only had nine races and you had to drive, you know, an hour and a half, two hours to get to see nine and you got to see the replays once. I'm proud of you to go that you're going paperless. I'm proud of you because it's really hard for a lot of us to change the way we do things. And this is some of the reason people talk about, why don't you talk to more about more about betting? But betting is a very personal thing. We, each and every one of us handicaps and bets in their own personal manner. And it's hard to discuss with Kevin how to bet, to Tom, to Steve, and to Ron, and to Jim, when each have their own, they have their own, uh, you know, uh, bankroll. They have their own ideas. They have their own I way to play. Um, the only thing I ever told you guys is play the kiss method. Keep it simple, stupid, you know, and just handle it that way. Play your, you know, play race to race or play. If you want to play pick fours and pick fives, put them in early. Make sure you have your bankroll for your exact or so on and so forth. But, but Kevin, going paperless is a big step for you. And it is going a big step for a lot of guys. How many of you are paperless? How many of you have to have your PPs printed in front of you? So each one of you has to negotiate your own. You have to negotiate your own comfort level. And you should have seen my comfort level when I couldn't get my internet going. And because I pulled the plug by mistake and I was trying to set up something different and I can't get on. And then, you know, all of a sudden my phone is going off. Uh, my comfort level went, went to frazzle. You know, it was like that pace horse, that, that speed horse that didn't break. Now I got to rush up. I'm out of my norm. And, and it puts me in a bad position. Now, Kevin, little, you know, tirade, it's been great because it brought me right back down to earth. You know, that was, you know, 
I, I listen to Kevin for a minute and I go, okay, now I'm back down to earth. But all you guys have to do that to be better handicappers. And to be, you know, you can be a better person too. If you're able to slow everything down, just slow it down. And Kevin has done it. If Kevin can go paperless, anybody can go paperless. Well, I what was the uh, what was the program from uh, Equibase? I I had an iPad. I bought that. I tried a couple years ago, and I even talked with Ellis Starr about some of the things I wanted it to do automatically, so it would look exactly like my racing form. And he could they couldn't set up a lot of the parameters for what I wanted. They they wouldn't even let me set. I like a fifty day line. I like 50 days. I've used 50 for years and years and years and years. So I wanted to be able to draw my own line there and they wouldn't let me do that. So That's I let, I, I did it a year and then the, the iPad cracked and get it all messed up. Kevin, we're pals, we're Zoom buddies, but you're high maintenance. <laughs> I need adult supervision. Yes, a ton, yes. <laughs> but you know what? But you know what? We all are like that. I am. You know, I, I, I am very staunch about, and this is a great segment in. I heard a lot of people getting upset during the day on Saturday that a lot of short prices were coming in. They were crying. Crying that, oh, I all this chalk, I did all this work. Man up. If there's chalk winning that day, you can't do anything about it. You don't have any control of being able to be able, number one, allow a, a handicap horses that other people won't bet. You don't have that ability. Nobody does. If you are trying to find a horse that nobody else is going to bet, all you're doing is going through your glory hound to try to be, to make yourself a hero. Stop trying to make yourself a hero. Handicap the race, pick the horses you like. Stop looking at the odds. Stop looking at the morning line. Get rid of all the noise. Then you get to work. Then you're watching on, 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 the, um, on, on your screen or if you're at the track, then you're watching and saying, okay, I like three horses in here. Uh, the, the, the one's a nine to two. The other one's a five to one. I love it. I'm going to bang them in the exacta. I'm going to, you know, figure out which one I want to bet to win and, 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 or play in my pick threes or you, whatever, whatever, you know, floats your boat. And that's how you play. You don't make your picks. And then because they're bet down the five to two, two to one, you're going to search in someplace else. Then what you put all that work in for? Why'd you put all that work in for? So when you're playing the races, everybody in here can read a form. If you can't read a form, put your hand up. Nobody's going to do that. Right? None of you are going to do that. But it's how you perceive what's on that form 
that's going to make you a handicap. It's going to make you a better handicapper than the guy next to you. If prices are not coming in, you cannot willfully get prices on the board. You got to go with what's there for you. Uh, you know, I would have loved to play the central quality and nailed another $100 exacta for every buck like I did in the Breeders' Cup. But that wasn't in the calling there. On Friday night, we said there's three horses. Essential quality, Spielberg, and uh, Jackie's Warrior. And we doubt Jackie's Warrior can go to distance. But I said if there's only one day he's going to go to distance, that's that day. Brian wasn't able to make it, and he ended up liking Jackie's Warrior. And But I cannot tell him what the handicap. And plus, that kid's been through a whole lot this past week. So a lot of the times, we know who the contenders are. But we get stupid. Because we think we know better. And we're going to try to come up with a price. How many of you sometimes during the day of the track, at the track, you know who's going to win the race, but you look at the odds and you get dumb. How many? I'm going to put my hand up right here. I've done it. I stopped doing it because of these Zoom calls. Well, maybe Seriously. not as often. Hmm? Maybe not. As I used often. to do it all the time. Now I'm, I, I resist that. Um, the interesting part about the, your handicapping, just because you lost the race doesn't mean you're wrong. I loved endorsed on, in the sixth race on Saturday. It was a big number, too. What was Johnny V doing sending at the half mile pole? <laughs> what was he waiting doing? For, waiting for Paco. You know? But he moved at the half-mile pole. And he got nailed late. To me, I, w I don't see it as I was wrong about endorsed. I didn't get the trip. The, you know, way too early of a move. So from my point of view, is there's a lot of races where I'm right, but I'm wrong. I love a first-time starter. He comes, runs a big second. And you get people going, oh, you're wrong. No, I wasn't. He ran a big race. I just didn't win. And you have to view yourself with that. The first thing handicappers do after, after, uh, after they get beat by a horse, they go look at that horse in the paper. Well, didn't you do your work before? You don't know who that horse was? Well, you're going to figure it out now after the race? Am I off? If a horse beats you, you should never go back and look at that horse on paper. Because why? You're going to beat yourself up that you didn't have it? No. Your horse got nosed out or he got a bad trip or he got taken up on the inside or, he, you know, he just didn't break. Something like that. It doesn't mean you were wrong in your handicapping. But how many guys believe they were wrong because they didn't have the winner? Stop the glory. You, 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 there's glory hounds about handicapping. 
oh, you got to do this and you got to, oh, I, I had this ticket, I had that ticket. Most of these people have 30,000 tickets going at the same time. You ever seen some guys walk with a stack of tickets like this away from the windows? And you're like, what the hell? Did you bet everything in the world, you know, that's running right now? So when people say I had that, there was a good chance they had a stack of tickets. I, I want to hit a cold. Because that's how you get paid. And how do you hit a cold? By having your opinion, not worrying about what the odds are, up to a point. You don't want to go be betting crazy on six to fives and three to fives. You'll lose money. But you can play races, as in the case of Songbird when she won to Alabama, uh, three years ago, four years ago at Saratoga, everybody didn't want to play the pick four because it wasn't going to pay anything. I hit that pick four on, on a six or seven dollar ticket for twenty five. Uh, was it thirty two thousand dollars? Because I used Songbird as a single and I got two long shots in two of the races. I hit Zenyatta one time and she won the Margarita. People said, ah, it's not going to pay anything. For a dollar, it paid twelve hundred. I had it for three dollars. It paid thirty three hundred. You looking at odds costs you to pick winners. Trust me, we're not that smart. Look to the left and look to the right. Okay, look around each other, okay? We're not that smart that we can outs outsmart this game. However, we can be smart enough to know when we like something, we play it, win or lose. And if you lose, you go into the next race or the next race you like. Doesn't have to be you gotta get out in the next race. You're gonna get embarrassed with your picks. You're gonna get embarrassed. Thunder snow. You're gonna get embarrassed. And Kevin, you just turn around and you walk away. <clears throat> First of all, anybody bet thunder snow in the Kentucky Derby with the history, and this is the next thing, with the history of UAE Dubai uh, uh, winners coming over, UAE Derby winners coming over to play around in the Kentucky Derby is abysmal. For None you. has finished better than fifth coming over from the UAE Derby into the Kentucky Derby. That includes non-winners coming from that race. The best finish in the Kentucky Derby, fifth. That also a, turned out to be a grade one winner. Don't remember it being on the first Saturday in May at Churchill Downs. But, but it doesn't yeah, matter, well, Kevin. That was important that but day. But, Kevin, it doesn't matter. On the Derby, you don't get paid for the horse ends up being a grade one winner later on. There's a, there's a road littered with, with grade one winners coming out of the Derby that didn't run well. So, skip away, Hansen, Hansel. Um, I can go down that list. So, History is very important, as Ron Flatter aptly put it. I look at history. Can you tell me a little bit of history on the uh, Holy Bull and the Fountain of Youth? Can you tell me a little bit about how many of those horses and, and, and the, rel the relative importance of the, uh, the Holy Bull? Let's start off. And I'm pulling it up myself to go through all the winners. Bruno, there's only been, what, two from the Holy Bull? Um, uh, 
Uh, Paul, I'm getting there. Oh, I'm, a, I'm sorry. Getting, I'm getting there. I'll just have a drink. Never mind. I'll shut up. <laughs> yeah, one for me, please. Go for Jen and Barbaro are the only two from the Holy Bull that have gone on to win the Derby. Uh, as oh. far as winning the Derby, Funny Side did it after finishing fifth in the Holy Bull. Right. Fountain of Youth. Well, there have been. Well, well, uh, well, well wait a minute. 13. Wait a minute. Let, let's just. First of all, when you look at Barbaro and you say, well, Barbaro was the last one to actually win the uh, Holy Bull and then go into the Kentucky Derby and, and, and win it. Barbaro raced at a mile and one eighth that, that year and went 149 and two. And the mile and an eighth in the Kentucky Derby is a key distance to key your handicapping off of. So in, in the Holy Bull, he ran a mile and an eighth and he covered the ground and then he went on to win the Kentucky Derby. When the, the race has been at a mile, well, let's look at Gopher Jim. Gopher Jen won uh, the 1994 preview stakes, and it was at a mile and a 16th, and that was a different track and a mile, and it was two turns with a regular stretch. So when you look at Barbaro at a mile and an eighth, that was around a, a, a strict mile and an eighth at, at, at Gulfstream with the current setup. So therefore... At a mile and a mile and a sixteenth, the you know where they've run in the last probably what uh, in the last eleven years, nothing. Winslow Homer won it in twenty ten. Dialed in won it in twenty eleven. He was the Derby favorite, ran seventh. Algorithms never made it to the Derby. It's my lucky day, ran dead last or something like that. Carol Prince never made it to the Derby. Upstart was nowhere to be seen. Mohamed ran fifth. Audible ran third. Harvey Wallbanger was not in the Derby. Tis the Law ran second. And now we got greatest on. So I might add, Bruno, the, it's been a mile and a 16th only since 2013. It was uh, a mile for three years before that. And then we're going back to the old track, of course. And the distances varied a lot. There was also a period uh, in the 90s and the two, early 2000s when it was a mile and a 16th. But you only have two winners out of that. Right. Funny side, the only other one to come out of the race, and he finished fifth in the uh, Holy Bull before winning the Derby. But my point no, is, no. no winner has come out of there to actually really do anything since Barbara went nine furlongs. Now let's go to the Fountain of Youth. Thirteen ever have gone from the Fountain of Youth to win the Derby. Five won both, but there's only been one since 1995, and that was, interestingly enough, the one that everybody's comparing greatest honor to, Orb. Well, in 1995, it was Thunder Gulch. Right, so yeah, but since Thunder Gulch, only Orb right. has right. come out of that race and won. Orb is a better horse. And also, oh, wait a minute. Bruno. Wait, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on a second. Orb ran the mile and the 16th and 142 and one. He ran almost 10 lanes faster than Greatest Honor. And so, Bruno I'm sorry? Wasn't Greatest Honor, wasn't that the fourth slowest Yes. Yeah. Well, I can give you the, the whole history of that. The, uh, that, if you go back in all the e-runnings forever and ever and ever and ever and ever, uh, as far as the uh, Fountain of Youth was concerned, I'm just going through here and uh, finding the uh, – there is a historical reference here. Uh, the 26th slowest time 
in the 67 times the race has been run at eight and a half furlongs, 26 slowest. Now you say, okay, that's a, an arbitrary number. But think about that's a huge sample size, 67 yeah. runnings, 26th slowest, slower than most runnings, about two thirds of the runnings uh, of that, uh, or what, three fifths of the runnings of that race. Well, you go down the list, you have in 2020, Etta Indian won in 143 flat. Five full second faster than Greatest Honor. Code of Honor won it in 43 and four. Promises Fulfilled ran it in 44 and one. Promises Fulfilled was not a router, he was a sprinter. Gunavera won it in 144 and one. Mohamed ran in 142 and four. It's a knockout in one of the most biggest joke races when Frosted was taken down. 146 and one. Wildcat, Wildcat Red ran 141 and four to win that race. Orb ran in 42 and one. Union Rags ran 142 and three. So a question was brought out. Could the slow race be a product of no Lasix? No, because we've seen fast races in other situations. It's not just one race. If you're going to say Lasix is going to be is the issue and why they're running slower, then why did you know Essential Quality really get a huge figure when he won when he won uh, both of his races going into the Kentucky Derby? They didn't have any Lasix last year. So my point is, Lasix has nothing to do with it. It's a slow group of horses and that there's no way that you can shake yourself and make a case that they're not. Prime factor who looks so good breaking his maiden. It's looked horrible. He couldn't even get to the lead the other day. He couldn't even get close. Tarantino, who was on the pace, folded badly. The sprinter tried to go seven eighths. And he went seven eighths. He just couldn't pull off the other, the other three sixteenths of the race. So it's a slow race. It's that simple. People want to make it hard. It's a slow race. The history of it tells you it's slow. Everything tells you it's slow. So, and I really believe in the history. I pretty much can remember, I'm old enough to remember a lot of all these, uh, many of these races on and how they came into the race. And especially since the last 10 years I've been out here on the East Coast, the West Coast, I know. I remember how it was to go into the Santa Anita Derby. Back then, you also didn't have horses breaking their maiden and moving right into States company. That wasn't heard back then. You went into an allowance race, then you went into maybe another allowance race, and then you ran in the stake. Now, a month before you win going easy, according to your trainer, they're jammed right into a stakes race. So it's a different situation now than it was maybe five to even six, seven years ago. However, history doesn't lie to you. And as Ron said, 
It's the 26th out of 67 runnings of the slowest fountain of youth. So looking at that history, let's look at the history of the Tampa Bay Derby. That race has produced two Derby winners, Street Sense, who won the Tampa Bay Derby, and Super Saver, who finished third. The two that Todd Pletcher would end up, or pardon me, the one that Todd Pletcher would wind up winning the Derby, and before that, of course, Carl Navsker. And what's interesting about Street Sense, Street Sense ran in the Sam F. Davis off of the layoff. He had won the Breeders' Cup Juvenile, and he was going in the... Um, Sam F. Davis off the layoff. Am I correct? Or did he have a prep? I don't remember. And the Sam F. Davis ended up being, it was an ungraded, no, you know, at that point it wasn't points. So it really, really didn't count. And he hooked in with Pletcher's any given Saturday. And they put on a show. It was a phenomenal performance for both of them. And I believe any given Saturday beat Street Sense that day. You're talking about, uh, he went, Street Sense went, uh, I'm looking at his past performance. Uh, Breeders' Cup Juvenile right to the Tampa Bay Derby, then went to the Bluegrass before the Derby. Oh, wait a minute. That was the Tampa Bay Derby that he ran against uh, any given Saturday? Uh, that is uh, that is correct. It was the Tampa Bay Derby, right. and it wound up being a nose between them. And Danny went and that to the loss, didn't Weren't people blaming the jockey, uh, Calvin Burrell, for looking around before he got to the wire? I don't, I remember, I just remember it was a thrilling stretch duel because I love Street Sense. Uh, yeah, the, the, the Bluegrass, I think that is the race. I think that is indeed the race. That Went is in. the synthetic. That's a synthetic race. Right. And that was, um, I was yeah, there. it was on the all weather and it wound up being a nose to Dominican. Dominican, uh, didn't he, did he finish second? Finished a nose second and only ahead of, in front of Zanjero. Right, and that was Dominican one, and he was a, an absolute freak on the synthetic. And Street Sense didn't run a lick on the synthetic. However, it set him up perfectly. And I was in Kentucky, and I watched him train going into the Derby, and he looked phenomenal in his last work. He worked a minute, and he did everything so right for NASCAR. It was just a fantastic – for me, it was, I, you know, it was my – I think in my third or fourth Derby clocking, and it was my first year clocking at Keeneland too. So I had gotten to see all of that and gotten to see all the races. But Street Sense was very interesting, and he was a very, very good horse, you know. I, you know, but I think he was a bleeder, and 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 I think it hurt him a little bit to make those big, big races that he had um, in a row. He had the big Tampa Bay Derby. He tried hard on the synthetic, and then the Kentucky Derby, and then he flattened out and ran uh, behind uh, Curlin and the Preakness. Um, but in the Tampa Bay Derby, the other one would be. In last year, we had King Guillermo that came out of nowhere to win. The, before that, it was Tacitus, uh, who, had, who had, at that time, knew how to win. I don't know if he, you know, he's, he's, he's a piece of work, that horse. But also, if I remember correctly, wasn't there an outshine was second to him, Ron? And outshine has turned out to be just an average allowance horse. I'll look up Tacitus, but uh, yeah, I mean, 
Yeah, and uh, anybody else fooled not me on the Saudi uh, on the Saudi Cup? No. Uh, Shame on you to fall for him again. No, I did. Oh no, I was not. No, I did not get fooled on the Saudi Cup. No, I know others who did, and I'm like, geez, what's the definition of insanity? Right there, there again, there again. There's your emotional handicapping about Tacitus that people say, ah, he's going to win today. They don't realize he doesn't want to win. Uh, it was outshine. Good memory by a length and a quarter, closing uh, on uh, closing from seventh to right. win the race by a length and a quarter from outshine, who was a chasing pace that day. And win, and win, I, win I, was third. And and he just outshine was just very average. And the year before that was Quip, who came out of nowhere for Brissette to win. I want to believe for a Windstar and China Horse Club. Um, and the Quip race was a one forty four and four which is one of the slowest races of the Tampa Bay Derby. Before that, it was another slug in Taprit. He was slow. Mile and a half horse. Yeah, I'm telling you, I don't know. I don't know how they sell him. He was slow. He won the Belmont Stakes. The mile and a half was suited for him, but I was never a fan of Taprit. The year before that, the horse that everybody said he was going to win the Derby easy, and that was Destin. The best thing Destin could do after that was run in, in a mile and, and three-quarter race at Del Mar in the 2017 Breeders' Cup, uh, 2016 Breeders' Cup, uh, to win that. Carpet Diem. Pletcher won it three years in a row. Carpet Diem was another one that won. Carpet Diem never did anything again, and he's, he's not a very good sire. There's a pattern developing here, isn't it? The year before that, it was Ring Weekend, who actually was a really good horse on the turf for West Point. Wasn't on the dirt. And by the way, I owned a half-sister to him. Yay, by, by violence. Before that, it was Pletcher with Verrazano. Verrazano is known for basically drifting out in the middle of the, of the track and, and um, at, at the, in the Kentucky Derby. At the eighth pole, taking out Will Take Charge, who was probably going to outfinish Orb that day. They were head and head down the lane, and Will Take Charge head and head didn't lose. I had Will Take Charge at 35 to 1 in a $100 exacta box with Orb. Ouch. 2012 was won by Prospective. Prospective was a synthetic horse that was winning up at Woodbine. We could go down the list. Musket Man in 2009, I think, ran third behind uh, Mind That Bird. And Street Sense won in 2007, as we mentioned. The history coming out of Tampa Bay is a bit shady. History means something. Understanding where their races come from means something. To me, the Tampa Bay Derby is not a race that I'm going to say would be a key unless I see a performance that absolutely knocks my socks off. Hey, who knows, guys, if King Guillermo last year, in an odd year of 2020, who was hot horse after the Tampa Bay Derby, doesn't go to Churchill and win that race. He did end up running second to Nadal. Was it Nadal that he chased or Charlatan? That he chased in the Arkansas Derby last year. I think it was Nadal, wasn't it? 
Modern. Arkansas Derby uh, with, uh, yeah, we had two different, uh, of course, two divisions of that. Yeah, there was two divisions. Yeah, I'm trying to remember which one he ran second to. I think it was Nadal. Yeah. Wasn't it? The Nadal race, yeah, one of them was the loaded race, and it was yeah, King Guillermo to Nadal by three lengths. Yep. Yep, you got it. The other so one, of course, was the, that, uh, was the Basin race. And, you know, who says that that performance he put in the Tampa Bay Derby wouldn't have been a performance that he would have put in the Kentucky Derby? But the Kentucky Derby was moved quite a way later, four months later. Let's move to the San Felipe. San Felipe has uh, produced 12 Kentucky Derby winners, including five that won both races, but only one since Giacomo in 2005. And if you go, you want to say that's a fluke? Okay. Fusaichi Pegasus in 2000. Go back to that. The only winner since Giacomo, California Chrome in 2014. It's a, it's a race that was, uh, I, I was there for all those races. I was there for the Soul of the Matter race. I was there for the Afternoon Delights race when Mandela won in back-to-back in, uh, in 1995 and 94. Um, Afternoon the lights withstood, uh, uh, and then he ended up running second or th- or third in the Santa Anita Derby. Did no, he lost. He won the Santa Anita Derby as well. Um, Prime Timber, Freehouse, Freehouse went into the win the Santa Anita Derby over um, over uh, Silver Charm, and that uh, iconic stretch run of him, uh, Captain Bodget, and uh, and uh, Freehouse down the lane in in, in the Kentucky Derby. Uh, Medallodoro, I don't think Medallodoro did. Medallodoro make it into the Derby? I don't think so. He ran in the Derby. He ran, he ran in the Derby. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah Doro was fourth in the Derby. Yeah. Um, to uh, looking, War Emblem. Looking at the times for the the uh, San Felipe, and the one thing you notice that. Most of those races was run on the 142 flat or right around 142 and change. Authentic wanted in 43 and three, but that, that authentic was a different authentic that ran four months later, five months later. Much different authentic. Did you say Giacomo won the San Felipe? No, he ran and it didn't win it. Yeah, oh, I think okay. he ran fifth or fourth. Ran, yeah, he ran. Uh, but Giacomo was second. second. In fact, second. three of the last five, three of the last five Derby winners to come out of the San Felipe ran second. Silver Charm, real quiet. Who trained with him again? Uh, and uh, Giacomo. All right. Thanks, Ron. You go, you go through the history of it, and the times are always pretty fast for that race. So that's not something that you can say, hey. Um, you know, that because, I mean, for example, Consolidator ran 140 and 1 for, for Lucas. You can find him in the Derby. Um, he had horses like Cobalt Blue, Georgie Boy, Pioneer of the Nile won it when it was synthetic. He had AP Warrior. Um, so you, you have a lot of different horses, but the history is there with the, 
the history is there with the San Felipe. So it would be very interesting. And maybe we need to look at the horses second and third. So let's pop over and now look at the Gotham. And I really think the three-year-old season, the three-year-old horses coming out of New York from these races, uh, these prep races early in the year through, through, uh, through March are really questionable. Uh, well, was, Bruno, somebody, yeah, you only got you only got one Gotham winner that ever won the Derby, and in fact, only one Gotham horse that ever won the Derby. It was a pretty good one, Secretariat. Secretariat. So you're talking, you're talking. How many years? Forty-eight years. I mean, when was the last time that a uh, horse won the Derby coming out of New York at all? Fupeg, right? Or no, there's oh, been one no. since. What is it? Ubeg was a California horse that won the Wood Memorial. That's right. I'm thinking. Um, Funny side. Funny side. Oh Funny yes, side. yeah. Oh sure. Oh no. Um, yeah, it was Funny Side because it. That's Funny right. Side. Because it would have been. It would have been tis the law if if he had won. So it's yeah, Funny Side. Bruno, do you spend any? Do you have any credence on the sheets? Um, I mean, I know the sheets. I understand the sheets. I worked for Jerry way back when. Um. I, I'm not going to knock. I think they do They do a very good job coming with numbers. But am I going to put all my eggs in one basket with them? Hell no. It's Tommy. I've never used them, but I, I've got friends that swear by them and don't do any let other them keep swearing. You know? Let them keep swearing, Tommy. Just let them keep swearing. Because you know what? They always Everybody sits around and says, oh, the Sheets had that one. You don't know when they – we don't tell you when they, they had one and they didn't win. And also, the way the sheets work, if a speed horse, if a speed horse wins along the rail, he'll get a lower number than the horse that went six wide and finished fourth. So your speed horses are always going to get knocked because they don't lose ground unless they were pressing the pace four or five, three wide or something like that. So you end up playing more horses coming from behind because of, of the ground. So let's say you're playing that horse that was six wide and finished fourth against that same speed horse. One got a 15. Your horse that went six wide that you're betting on, he got a 12. Oh, he's got a better number. Of course, he got the better number. He went wide. Yeah. Guess what? He runs that 12 again. The speed horse runs that 14 again. Guess who's going to win? The 14, because the horse that went six wide, he's probably going to go wide again. So that is one part of the sheets they don't tell you about. Right? They don't tell you that. So now you can only got to you got to be able to you got to be able to come up with pace figures to tell you who's going to be in front because speed wins races. I appreciate their product; it's a good product, but it does have some questionable representation by handicappers 
who want to swear by it, but how many times did they actually understand how that number was made? Some horses run best when they're four or five wide. Well, they lost ground. They lost ground. Yeah, but they ran best because they had not a straw in their path. While the horse that comes up inside, weaves through traffic, and, it, and, and moves on in the lane, gets the worst number. Why? Because he saved ground. But he had to overcome a lot mentally to be able to go in and out of horses. And if people do not believe that going in and out of horses down on the inside is not hard or harder than going six wide with nobody in front of you and nobody outside of you and no dirt in your face, they're dead wrong. They do not understand. They do not get it. They, they'll never get it. So there's, there's a mythology to everything, Tommy, and there's a balance to everything. If you accept something, you're going to get drawbacks on others. So the balance is, is if you're going to use the sheets, then use face figures. But you got to understand how the sheets is made and what that number is. And what did we say last week when we talked about horses? Who's, Who's that, that horse? Who's that horse? And what's that? Um, and what's that? How was it accomplished? Watching races. And going back to history. Quick note, uh, Bruno, just because somebody could say gotcha. There were two horses that used two-year-old races in New York on the way to winning the Derby. Neither one was a victory. Al have another did finish sixth in the hopeful and super saver did finish fourth in the champagne, but obviously they went through other places, Florida and California to get to the Derby. This is a great point by Ron. Just because a horse ran in a certain state doesn't make it that that horse is shipping in from that state. You should always look at that horse where he is stable at and where he is training. If you've got a horse training at Belmont that traveled to Laurel, ran at Laurel, then after the race came back to Belmont and trained at Belmont, he is not a shipper. Let me repeat that. If a horse is, is stabled at Belmont and you can easily tell by where the workouts are, that means that's where they're stable. He ships to Laurel to run. Now he's a shipper. Indeed. But he's going to go back to Belmont after the race and he's going to run at Belmont to form, use it as a shipper. That is wrong. So I look at where horses are training as their home to, to, to understand the shipping and understand that track. What I find to be a handicapping criminal offense is when handicappers can't even, don't even notice where the horse is trained. I get that a lot. Oh, did you see that horse train? Uh, sorry, I'm going to use your name, Jeff. You didn't do it, but it's just, uh, Jeff, that horse is sitting over at, uh, at High Point Training Center. He's not... He's at a training center in the middle of Kentucky somewhere. So, Jeff, you know, well, Paul, Paul can do it. You know, anybody can. But 
they're not noticing where that horse is training. If you're not noticing where a horse is training, how do you know he's training well on paper? How do you know? If it's a farm, I don't believe 90% of the times that they give you. So I can't put stock into that. Again, understand where that horse is coming from. And know, and you have got to start learning, because if you want to cash big tickets, you've got to learn. Where is that barn winning races from? I made a point. I knew Steve Turlock way back during in the 90s, early 90s. And I, for a while, I don't know if you remember, Steve, I went to, um, I stayed at Hollywood Park during the Santa Anita meet and clocked at Hollywood Park. And I was coming up with winners left and right, and there were prices too, shipping in. Because everybody was focused on the Santa Anita horses. You know, training at Santa Anita. They would forget completely they're coming in from Hollywood. They would dismiss them. So understanding where they're coming from is a big step in the right direction to being a handicapper. Because you're truly handicapping them. You're not doing the days of our lives selections with emotion. So just tying everything in is, is your emotional view of horses needs to stop. You need to view horses as each individual horse is an individual entity. And that individual entity comes from a specific place, races at a specific track, and there's history behind that. Ron, am I a shipper when I go to Kentucky, or am I a shipper when I come down the, to Delray Beach? Well, it depends. I, if, if you're decided in the middle of summer to make a run to Delray Beach, then I'd say you're a shipper. Likewise, if you went to Kentucky right now, I would say you're a shipper. But if it's just the one-off trip and then you come back, I'd say when you come back to Florida right now, you ain't no shipper. Well, I'm cheating because I have gondos at both places. So a shipper really ships in and out of, of his home base, but I'm going home to home. So I kind of cheated. But a real shipper, as we talk about in the, uh, in the uh, as we talked about it in the Zoom tonight, it, it's different in racing. Well, that makes you a citizen of the racing world. There you go. Just give me hay oats and water and I'll be happy. Get more from Bruno by going to racingwithbruno.com. This has been the Racing with Bruno podcast.